they're special. I mean, they look like our guys. You could put them in Clemson helmets and put our guys in, in LSU helmets and nobody would miss a beat. You know, we might be a little taller, but just elite playmakers. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Dabo Sweeney of Clemson there for you. Brad Brownell, Clemson basketball coach, will drop by here next hour to talk about the Tigers ending the forever streak over the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. It was a 95-year-old streak. It was a 59-game streak, and it is over. Clemson finally beats Carolina in Chapel Hill, 79-76 in overtime. No chance to get Dabo Sweeney's thoughts on that. He has another game to play against LSU tonight, seeking his third national title in the last four years. Greatest dynasty in ACC football history. If he wins tonight, it is. He's already side-by-side side with the Bobby Bowden Florida State Seminoles of the 1990s and early 2000s. And Dabo, remember, is only about 50 years old. As we come to Ed in Winston-Salem, he wants to cast ballots for best or worst of the weekend. As you can imagine, most of the votes coming from the NFL or college basketball weekend. Clemson hoops, best of. Carolina hoops, worst of. And then all over the NFL, Lamar Jackson and the ball Baltimore Ravens face planted in the postseason for the second year in a row. He's still going to win the MVP award. Remember, those ballots have been cast, and he deserves it, given what he did as a thrower and as a runner at the quarterback position. Some previously unseen numbers for an NFL quarterback. He did that, but he also did this, and it was an ugly start, and it turned out to be an ugly loss for the Ravens at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. Glass half full, who was best of the weekend as we go to Ed and Aaron and Steve and you. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? We will share more about tonight's 15 different options for you as a consumer broadcast of LSU against Clemson. I've never seen that before. Like Tony Barnhart, I could not have envisioned such things, in my case, as somebody who started covering college sports in 1987. Uh, Megacast was not a phrase back then. Now you have nine different channels carrying tonight's game, six different broadcasts available on the ESPN app, including something I've never seen before, a ref cast. You know how we get a lot of calls asking about what went right, what went wrong for the Zebras over the weekend? There's actually a ref cast you watch the game alongside former college football officials. If that's your thing, that's one of your 15 options tonight, one of your six on the ESPN app. Ed in Winston-Salem has, I think, one of the best best of the weekend votes on his mind and one of the best worst of the weekend votes on his mind. Ed, thanks for hanging in there. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, thank you, David. Uh, I haven't got a whole lot. Uh, you stole a lot of my thunder. You've done an excellent job of uh, covering a lot of things I want to say, but uh, I grew up about an hour from Arrowhead Stadium, so I'm very happy that Chiefs uh, pulled it out. And uh, they were really a, a lot of under a lot of adversity there no at doubt. the beginning of the game when they got down 24. Shell shock is a good they phrase. Showed and right? Tar Heels didn't. Middle toughness and execution. Uh, in the last two minutes, the Tar Heels just weren't mentally tough and no execution. And if you allow me a little time here, you know we've been, everyone's been talking on all the different radio uh, broadcasts about Carolina's, you know, lack of talent. Yeah. Uh, and so forth. And let me, let me just throw some numbers out of here, if, if I may. Yeah, go ahead. And I realize that being a McDonald's All-American is not going to guarantee you uh, success in college or pro basketball. But from the inception in 1977 to 2011, Carolina had 64, Duke 54. Well, with the inception of uh, Jeff Cable arriving at Duke, 
uh, in 2011-2012 season. Also, the AFM schedule going on. Yeah. You know, negative uh, scheduling. Uh, and everyone knows that Duke and Carolina recruit basically the, a lot of the same ball players. Well, from 2012 to 2018, when uh, Jeff Capel departed, Duke really kicked our butts 23 to 9. Yeah, that's, and that stuff matters. And by the way, for those trying to put like faces with those numbers, Vernon Carey had UNC and Duke among his recruiting finalists. So Vernon Carey Jr., star center for Duke right now as we speak as a freshman, one of the leading candidates for National Player of the Year, signed with the Blue Devils over the Tar Heels and others. Uh, Michigan State and some others had a chance at him. There's no doubt, by the way, that when you keep crunching numbers, there have been teams where Roy Williams had, you know, 10 different players who were top 50 prospects in high school. They were ranked among the top 50 high school seniors in America, and they signed with Roy Williams. So imagine you only have 13 scholarships. Roy Williams has had Carolina teams where there were 10 top 50 signees. Right now, he has two. And Cole Anthony, of course, is still hurt beyond that. So 10 is a lot better than two. And, and in terms of future NBA players, some of that is speculation because you don't always know who's going to make the NBA. But Roy Williams has had Carolina teams that had eight future NBA players on the roster. Eight. This, what, has Cole Anthony won, and again, he's hurt right now, maybe one other? I mean, I don't know how many more folks are putting money on a Garrison Brooks sticking in the NBA. Armando Baycott is only a freshman, so it's really impossible to judge his pro potential after only a half a season in the Tar Heel uniform. When you're that tall and you show that much potential, he's going to get a shot in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. But he's not, he's not his best college self yet, right? Garrison Brooks is a more developed, polished player. That's who he is after three years in the Carolina system. Baycott's got a long way to go to become who he is, even at the college level, much less his pro potential. You know, 10 is a lot better than two when you look down your roster or your bench as trying to find answers, whether it's Clemson trying to end the forever streak or just winning any ACC game the rest of the way. Cole Anthony's return from injury will help. Help. The Tar Heels did beat Oregon with him in the lineup, but this is this is the least gifted Carolina team under Roy Williams, and it's not even close. When Anthony's out, it's maybe one of the lesser teams in the ACC. They, they remember that Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Clemson are all bottom half of the ACC teams. All three, back to back to back, just went to tar to Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels. If you're losing at home to three of the other bottom half teams in the ACC, guess what? You're a candidate to be cast at the very bottom. One through 15 power rankings, without Cole Anthony, you could put the Tar Heels at 15th right now. You could. Because without him, they've done very little of significance. And even with him, they have plenty of questions. It's been a long time, at least 10 years. I bring up Roy Williams has been to 29 of the last 30 NCAA tournaments. The only one he missed was exactly 10 years ago. That Tar Heel team 10 years ago that ended up in the NIT had more talent significantly than this group of Tar Heels. Again, you can look it up whether you use your eyeball test, which I think is the most important if you're saying who's got talent and who doesn't. Recruiting rankings, you can have fun with numbers. Future NBA, you can have fun with numbers. But the smartest test is just your eyeball test. How many guys on the roster would you want on your team? Without Cole Anthony, that number on some nights is down to one or two guys. And Brandon Robinson, to his credit, played well against Clemson in the first half especially, but then had one of the big mental errors 
as things came apart down the stretch. Garrison Brooks has been outstanding at times for the Tar Heels. He had a big mental error late, guarding Amir Sims and letting him get off a three-point shot instead of getting a foul in there. Roy Williams admitted his own mistake, forgetting to mention in the huddle, forgetting to mention in the huddle how many things could have been on that checklist. As there's 12 seconds to go and the Tar Heels are up by three, and Roy Williams says they practice all the time, fouling when you're up three with, you know, 10 seconds or change to go. What, what else did you talk about in the huddle if you forgot to mention that? He forgot, apparently. His players forgot as well. Amir Sims hit that three-point shot, sending it to overtime, and the rest is history. Sims, by the way, 20 points, eight rebounds, six assists, four blocked shots, three steals, game-tying three-pointer to send it to overtime. This is not a good Clemson team. It's just not. It's pales in comparison to a couple other Brad Brownell teams. But Amir Sims is a potential All-ACC caliber player. Uh, he's as good as anybody the Tar Heels have that, when Cole Anthony is hurt. So that's two teams near the bottom of the ACC standings that have, you know, one or two nice players. But Cole Anthony, the only superstar on either roster, and he's been out for over a month now, for about a month for the Tar Heels. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best or worst thing you saw over the weekend that was? Aaron is in Chapel Hill. And next on the David Glenn Show, he has a creative best or worst of the weekend. Go right ahead. Good morning, David. How can I how, good, good to talk to you again, sir? You, you too. What's on your mind? All right. So, um, I, I, as you said, I, 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 um, I tried to go a little bit creative. I wanted to give a couple off-the-beat ones. Um, for my best of the week uh, of the weekend, it has to be any executive from State Farm at this point. Well they executed. Have for, they have to be grinning from ear to ear. They, like, pretty much fell into almost um, commercial heaven. It's a... Uh, in uh, as long as Kansas City and Green Bay can uh, can win next week. Oh, can you imagine that? They, you know, they are smiling on their way into work at that particular major insurance company. Were they a David Glenn Show partner, Darren, we'd be talking about them all the time. This is just a fun fact. If you watch enough sports on TV or pick your favorite sport, in the case of the NFL, you're going to see a, an awful lot of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes as pitchmen for that particular insurance company. And you just got to think you're getting the maximum bang for your buck. Aaron Rodgers not only is still in the playoffs, he was the star for the Green, one of the stars for the Packers as they kind of survived the Seahawks. Devontae Adams had eight catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers, for a change, is getting some help with a running game. Aaron Jones is a really good young back. He had two touchdowns. And then Aaron Rodgers, apparently, on the play that kind of clinched it, this is an Aaron Rodgers thing. Matt LaFleur, first-year head coach of the Packers, sent in one play with the option to audible. Aaron Rodgers did call an audible, and sure enough, he did convert that third down on a perfect, I mean, hitting a postage stamp from 30 yards away throw. You get the first down conversion. You kill the rest of the clock. Russell Wilson doesn't get the ball one last time. As remember, Russell had turned what looked to be a slaughter into a 28-23 to game and was bringing the Seahawks back. He did not get that one more possession because Aaron Rodgers made that one more throw. And probably right before that stretch or right after that stretch, 
we were reminded of Aaron Rodgers' favorite insurance company. That's well played, Aaron in Chapel Hill. Well played, as the uh, one of the commercials says, by State Farm. 1-800-849-2761. Kevin is in Raleigh, and next on the David Glenn Show, you can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Kevin, what's going on? Oh, DG, I, uh, I got to give Clemson as my best of the weekend. Um, as much as I, I loathe, I'm like wrath of Khan, you know, <laughs> you know, spitting at the towards Carolina. Oh, just the, the, the rage and anger I've held on to since 1984. <laughs> um, I, I think it was somewhere around maybe 95 or somewhere around there at the ACC tournament. Um, Rick Barnes and Clemson beat them. And then buddies and I went to Applebee's and Clemson's team showed up. Oh, and wow. I just went over and was like hugging Rick Barnes <laughs> out of the blue and bought them around a drink. Um, if, if the coach, if Brunel's already left, that's sad. I would love to buy them around a drink. Right? Oh. <laughs> we'll tell Brad, Brad Brownell's going to join us live in a little bit more than 60 minutes. So we'll, we'll mention that uh, he has a heck of an offer from Kevin and Raleigh. And that, and that's a nice, obviously, if you saw the way the Clemson players reacted, some of them said, I have never hugged Coach Brownell the way I just hugged him. I think they drenched him with water bottles in the locker room. There was a lot of noise coming from the Clemson locker room, as you'd expect. Was it something they enjoyed discussing? No. All those players and coaches got tired of hearing about a 95-year streak, a 59-game streak. But did they understand why those reporters had to ask those questions? Yes. It was the longest winning streak for any team over any other team in the history of Division I men's basketball. Not just the ACC, not just the state of North Carolina. No single men's basketball team at the Division I level had dominated any other single team more than the Tar Heels with that 59-0 stretch dating over 95 years. Clemson gets it done in overtime. Roy Williams is despondent. All sorts of errors in the final two minutes allowed the Tigers back into that game. But credit to Amir Sims and the coach Brad Brownell and the rest of his crew. They had to keep believing even while down 10. And if you're a Carolina fan, it has to hurt to hear Roy Williams say he screwed up the huddle. It also has to hurt to hear Clemson players say in the aftermath, we watched the Tar Heels on film a lot this year, and we saw them crumble late in other games and that's why we still believed we could win, even though we were down 10 with two minutes to go. I mean, that's they weren't trying to be insulting. They were just trying to answer the question why the bench was still so engaged down 10. And their honest answer was, these Tar Heels crumble late. These Tar Heels don't handle the ball well with Cole Anthony out. And those turnovers certainly reflected something that Carolina woefully lacks right now. On many nights, Garrison Brooks and sometimes Armando Baycott give the heels enough in the post. But Carolina has been built around point and post for literally more than a half century. They have good, not great. There's no Tyler Hansbro down there. There's no Sam Perkins or James Worthy. There's no Rasheed Wallace. Good in the post. Good enough by this year's ACC standards. But horrible in the backcourt. Just nothing close to anything like the point guard they play they've gotten, even under Roy Williams, right? National championships, think Ray Felton, think Ty Lawson, think Joel Berry, et cetera. Those are national championship caliber point guards. 
just to survive in the ACC, you need adequate play in your backcourt. Tar Heels are getting nothing close to adequate play with uh, Cole Anthony still on the sidelines after his knee injury. And this weekend, a bad situation got worse. A true debacle as the Heels fumbled things away in the final two minutes. And the Tigers cashed in with that first ever victory in Chapel Hill. Steve wants in on the college football championship game. We'll follow with your phone calls, too, on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. The Green Bay Packers are going to the NFC title game for the third time in the last six years. That's hats off to Aaron Rodgers, but also it's the first time they're going there under Matt LaFleur, and I'd argue that they have some other things going for them, pass rush, running game with Aaron Jones, uh, receiver core led by Devontae Adams that they haven't always had, even on some other good teams. Richard Sherman had the play of the game as the 49ers beat the Minnesota Vikings. Derrick Henry is putting up historically great numbers as the Titans not only advanced, but they went to Baltimore and beat a Ravens team that had not lost since late September. Great rushing yards, almost 200 for Derrick Henry. Also, the three-yard Tim Tebow-style jump pass for a touchdown as Tennessee shocked Baltimore, one of the stunners of the NFL weekend. Andy Reid and the Chiefs were on their way to being stunned, but down 24-0. They, unlike the Ravens, did not panic after everything went wrong early. They did the opposite. Four touchdown passes just in the second quarter for Patrick Mahomes as the Chiefs came all the way back in the first half and then went on to 51-31 the win over the Houston Texans. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? Anybody tuned in to Jeopardy this past week? It was the greatest of all time edition of Jeopardy. Three different shows with James Holzhauer and those other guys invited back as the greatest money winners of all time. How do you think those special Jeopardy episodes did compared to, say, Monday night football NFL games this year or compared to, say, the college football playoff semifinal games of a couple of weeks ago? It's Clemson versus LSU. You might be surprised by how many people watch Jeopardy compared to even what is the bellwether of American TV ratings, not just sports, but our country's television ratings. NFL football is the standard bearer, and Jeopardy matched up fairly well. That piece of trivia with more of your sports calls, 1-800-849-2761. More from Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney. And then live, Clemson basketball coach Brad Brownell will talk football and basketball with the former UNC Wilmington Seahawks head basketball coach. One of Clemson's best teams ever was two years ago, led by Brad Brownell. And they finally ended the forever streak in Chapel Hill this weekend. Coach Brownell live in a little bit more than 60 minutes. More of your phone calls and those headlines, one 800 849-2761 is how you can be a part of it on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is the David Glenn Show. Ghost, incredible. But he's got greatness around him, too. Trevor Lawrence is incredible. He's got greatness around him. Built from the inside. Great offensive lines. Great skill. So it's a challenge. More from Dabo Sweeney, our regular guest here on the David Glenn Show. Brad Brownell of the Clemson Basketball Tigers will join us live in 60 minutes. 
They just changed history after a 95-year streak of never winning in Chapel Hill. After 59 games of only losing to the Tar Heels on the Heels home courts. Clemson got it done this weekend. It's now 1-59. Tigers 79, Heels 76 in overtime. Roy Williams and many of his players, even veteran players, made mistakes down the stretch. Amir Sims, Brad Brownell, Clemson basketball among your best of the weekend nominees. Steve wants to talk about the Tigers versus Tigers matchup on the college football field tonight as they play for the national championship. One piece of numerology that I mentioned before the break as we come back to your calls. Andy Reid and the Chiefs, Derek Henry and the Titans, Richard Sherman and the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, also among the best of the weekend vote-getters, the North Carolina Tar Heels on the basketball side, joined by Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens leading the worst of the weekend vote. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? What made it that? You can tell us now by dialing 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. All right, just a piece of trivia, kind of, sort of. The NFL sets TV ratings numbers on a regular basis it's up some years it's down some years there was a dip a couple years ago people debated about why but those who were telling you the truth were reminding you that the nfl still sets the bar compare it to your favorite tv drama your favorite sitcom your favorite whatever nfl football games remain especially playoff games the standard bearer like in the history of our country the modern history of our country of course the numbers are down from some historic highs in some cases because there didn't used to be as many channels so you could have more people focused picking among three or four channels back in my childhood now you have hundreds of channels literally to choose from jeopardy the greatest of all time the goat version of that popular tv show averaged about 15 million viewers per episode this past week would you believe that whereas nfl playoff games get a lot more than that and the super bowl remember is the behemoth in the history of north american television regularly getting more than a hundred million tv viewers for the ultimate championship game at the pro level college football by the way is kind of second best the numbers they get for the semifinal games and what's expected tonight 25 million would be kind of the low estimate 35 million would be the higher estimate for what lsu versus clemson gets tonight again on nine different S, uh, tv channels all of them under the espn umbrella six more presentations on the espn app so more ways to consume when you add it all up it might be 30 million plus jeopardy averaged 15 million viewers per episode this past week i just brought it up as a point of trivia all but one Monday night football game this season was fewer viewers than what Jeopardy just got the great for their greatest of all time episodes. James Holzauer and those guys are freaks. I don't know about you as I say hello to Darren Vaught, the producer of the program. Brad Brownell joins us next hour. Steve wants in on LSU versus Clemson. You can follow with your best or worst of the weekend. 1-800-849-2761. Jeopardy is one of the few shows that has spanned my lifetime as a representative of the 40s and 50-something generation, your lifetime, I believe, as a representative of the 20s and 30-somethings, that would be everybody in your bracket, your age bracket, would be aware of Alex Trebek and whatever. Yeah, some, some, at the very least, it's, it's universally known of Jeopardy. I mean, so it's, it's a pretty universal phenomenon. Maybe even five decades worth of Americans understand Jeopardy. Tell me this. Yeah. Did you catch any of the GOAT? 
episodes. did not see any All of these. Right. Although I will tell you, I'm a I'm a bit more familiar with the Ken Jennings streak from oh, yeah. probably well, closer to the early 2000s. So uh, he would have been who I was rooting for. While case, I was probably. watching, he was winning again. <laughs> yeah. James Holzauer, Holzauer, I think it's how you pronounce it, is actually a full time sports gambler. So his name pops up in the sports context from time to time. Ken Jennings is just an absolute. They're all, all three guys. Our freak shows. I, I put it this way this past week while I was watching a little bit. Again, 15 million viewers per episode. Better than all but one Monday Night Football game. Not as good as these playoff games, college or pro, but seriously, 15 million viewers. You're talking about like what the World Series sometimes gets for game one. Not just a playoff game in baseball. Like the NBA Championship Series sometimes for game one might get that. It beats what the Stanley Cup Championship Series would get for a game one. You better be like a game seven in the NHL if it's going to beat those kinds of numbers. True or false for you as a younger man, maybe even now. I mean, you're an Emory and Henry guy, graduate degree from Elon. I was an academic scholarship guy in high school and college. Theoretically, we have some brain power on this sure. program, yeah. right? Jeopardy typically has made me feel like a smart person when I watched. Like in childhood, my mom and dad would like look over their shoulder as I would spout out <laughs> correct answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As these adults are playing a game, you know, I'll take this for 200. I'll take this for 400. And I'm just kind of chilling out, kind of like uh, Bill Murray in the, the, the classic Bill Murray movie, uh, Groundhog Day where he got to watch Jeopardy with all the old people, but because he lives the same day over and over, he, he knows, knows the all the questions that are coming. So he's sitting there, and the, little, the old ladies are like, who is this guy? This is incredible. So as a little kid, I wasn't doing it quite that well. But mom and dad would be like, oh, that's nice. And then I'd get three or four in a row, and they're looking at me like, well, what's going on here? The goat version of Jeopardy made me feel dumb. Sure, I, I, I don't know it. how they tweaked the questions just to <laughs> challenge the greatest of all time. I, I'm like, I might get one out of five right. It was very alarming, very humbling for sure. Yeah, I, well, I find that when I watch Jeopardy too, it's highly dependent on the category oh, sure. and that sort of. So there are certain episodes where I, I feel like a complete idiot, someone, but others are a little bit more in my wheelhouse. Please tell me that they made the questions harder yeah. because it was the greatest contestants of all time. Other, otherwise, man, I, I got to get an appointment with the doctor or something. I was smarter at nine than I am now. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. 1-800-849-2761. Steve, welcome to the David Glenn Show. You're next on Best and Worst of the Weekend. What do you say, Dave? How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, man. I'm looking forward to this college football game tonight. What's on your mind? I, I am too, Dave, but I'm kind of irritated, Dave. And you can you the best man for this to spread this. Uh oh. Uh, it's almost like Clemson don't have to show up. I mean, don't even need to bother to show up. Devil Swing, I'm coming 100% to his defense. And you sponsor the ACC Journal, so you know this. Let's go ahead and lay some out real quick. They, they want to the, the recover. SEC to hold the football tie. You know why? Because ACC has won championships in every sport there is except for baseball and gymnastics. And they just don't want them to come and take that thing. And they won one in baseball not long ago, right? UVA got right, one. Right, but I'm just saying they beat up on ACC like they don't do this and don't do this. And Clemson instead of winning championship, ACC won the basketball championship, won the women's lacrosse, won the field hockey, won soccer. I mean, they win in everything. So they just like, what is
you mean? I mean, just like ACC is nothing. It, sa- it sounds like Dabo Sweeney should have you in the Clemson locker room, Steve, because he plays the disrespect card all the time. He says those national guys make fun of our schedule in the ACC. They make fun of the competition. They make fun of the lack of depth. They ask us where our bigger wins are. You know, they ask us why they beat the Tar Heels by only one point in Chapel Hill earlier this season. So Dabo's playing the disrespect card, man. I think you're, you ought to give half the pregame speech tonight for Dabo. Can you get to New Orleans in time? I, I can't get there, but I can sure pray. I, I really hope they smack them. I'm just – boy, that would just make my day, Dave. Well, I'll tell you this. It's the, – the Tigers' best players, some of them, are going to have to be even better than they were against Ohio State for them to win. LSU actually has more future NFL talent on this team than the Clemson Tigers have on this team. It's not night and day. Remember, the point spread is only like five or six right now. It's not like – I think some – a huge majority, what was the last number we saw from the betting public? 80 to 90% were picking LSU. And that was with the spread, I believe. So you're taking LSU minus five or minus six. When 80 to 90% of the money, thats I don't think that's what it still is right now, but that's what it was on Friday. 80 to 90%. You know Dabo's adding that to his disrespect card thing. Little old Clemson from by the lake in little old South Carolina against the mighty SEC superpower, against the mighty Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. What's amazing to me, and I'm not surprised anymore by the Dabo Dabo Sweeney dynasty. Five straight ACC titles, two of the last three national championships. Is it like 10 straight double-digit win seasons? Again, we hardly ever get them around here. Our FBS teams have a hard time getting to 10 or more wins. I see you, App State. You just had a phenomenal season as the champions once again of the Sun Belt, winning your bowl game as well. But rarely do we see, say, the ACC teams get to the 10-win threshold in any era, right? I mean, Mac Brown with the Tar Heels did it a couple times back in the 90s, but not so much for the Heels lately. You know, Chuck Amato got the Wolfpack into double digits one year with Phillip Rivers on campus, but not so much since then. Uh, you know, Wake won the ACC title 13 years ago. They have other good seasons, the Demon Deacons, but it's not easy to get to 10 wins. You put Duke, Wake, State, and Carolina together as the four members of the ACC, the only Power Five conference represented here in North Carolina in football, you're not going to fill both hands, I don't think, with their all-time 10 or more win seasons. Dabo does it every year at Clemson. The most amazing part this year is that last year's starting defensive line all moved on. So three of the four defensive linemen were first-round draft picks. Remember, even Dexter Lawrence from here in Wake Forest, North Carolina, was a part of that group. You're losing the guys who theoretically, I think three of the four left early. So all four starters leave from a very difficult-to-replace position. You can, ha- you can have the next running back waiting in the wings, right? Sometimes you can even have the next quarterback waiting in the wings. One of the hardest places to just have the next generation waiting in the wings is the offensive and defensive lines. Most college coaches will tell you that. It takes you longer, usually, to develop the next guy. You can't just plug in the last prep All-American at defensive tackle the way sometimes you can at running back or quarterback or wide receiver or some other positions. Well, Clemson, despite losing all four starting defensive linemen, three of those four to the NFL's first round in the draft, I think three of the four it was leaving early, which means you might not have had as much time to plan for their departures. At some point it became obvious, of course. But again, you don't just grow the next generation on trees. Without anybody 
who fits that same description. Remember Cleland Farrell was doing it last year from one edge. They've had all sorts of freaky edge rushers at Clemson. Clemson fans could name this year's version of those guys, but it's not like they're of the ilk of Trevor Lawrence. You hear his name at quarterback all the time. You hear Travis Etienne as the Tigers' star running back, deservedly so. You hear T. Higgins and Justin Ross at wide receiver. You might even hear about their offensive linemen or Isaiah Simmons is their freakish kind of linebacker safety hybrid who's going to be a high first-round pick from Clemson's defense this coming year, assuming he leaves early as well. You don't hear a household name at defensive end for Clemson this year, and yet somehow, and that might sound like the death knell, right? All these previews you're reading, how with Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Joe Burrow, 78% completions, that's insane at any level, but including the college level, 55 touchdowns to go with six interceptions. Keep in mind a two-to-one ratio, TDs to INTs is good. Three-to-one is really good, really good. That's almost 10-to-one. 55 touchdown passes, six interceptions. At first glance, if Joe Burrow has those numbers as the Heisman winning quarterback, and statistically the LSU Tigers have, some say that it is the best passing offense in the history of college football. Theoretically, at first glance, if Clemson lost all those defensive linemen, how could it not be the worst matchup possible? Well, somehow, some way, despite losing those four starters on his line, the $2.5 million defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, without a single guy that you can point to and say, oh, he has 15 sacks. They don't have that. But they do get to the passer, sometimes with a safety blitz, corner blitz, linebacker blitz, defensive tackle, like it takes a village, that kind of thing. There might be eight different guys out of the 11 he puts out there that Joe Burrow's wondering, he's coming after me on this play? So Brent Venables is winning some of those chess match games. They cover pretty well, and the Clemson Tigers limit big plays pretty well. Now, doing that against LSU is much harder than doing it against any ACC team for sure, but when you add up all the numbers – Guess what LSU's record-setting passing offense is going up against tonight? The number one passing defense in all of college football. I don't know how he did it. And I follow recruiting, and I know the talent on that field. Folks, if you're an NFL fan, you got only not only Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback, high first round, Isaiah Simmons, Clemson, linebacker, safety, whatever you want to call him, high first round. LSU has a corner named Christian Fulton. High first round. LSU has an edge rusher named Kalavan Chason. Sorry if I mis- mispronounced, but he is the guy that LSU says, go get Trevor Lawrence. Clemson doesn't have that single guy again. Grant Delpit is a safety for LSU. He was hurt a lot this year. He was not as good. He still won, I think, the Thorpe Award, but his numbers were down in some ways. Ankle injury for a while. Now he feels right, and he's back tonight. So you're talking about five guys right there, four of those five LSU players, who are going to be first-round picks this coming year, assuming that the guys who are underclassmen do turn pro early. Clemson doesn't have as much of that as usual, and yet they still somehow have the number one pass defense in college football. Some believe that the Clemson numbers are sort of disjointed because they're padded by facing some anemic ACC offenses and even a couple of uh, anemic uh, non-conference teams. 
Others believe, no, Brett Venables is going to figure it out against Joe Burrow and LSU just the way he's figured it out against everybody else. Clemson has won 29 straight football games. Clemson has won two of the last three national championships. Clemson is 25-0 and 0 over these last two years with Trevor Lawrence as its starting quarterback. You can't ask for more. It's 14-0 against 14-0. It's strength against strength. It's elite quarterback against elite quarterback. The only reason Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be a high first-round pick this year is that he's a sophomore, so he's not eligible to come out until next year when he can announce early for the NFL draft if he wants to. You want elite wide receivers? Kid named Jamar Chase won the Bolitnikoff Award for LSU. T. Higgins and Justin Ross tore up the ACC this year. You want elite running backs? Travis Etienne is as good as I saw in college football, the Clemson back. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's been slowed by injury lately, is one of those Christian McCaffrey types who can crush you with his legs or crush you with catching passes from Joe Burrow out of the backfield. It's, it's a freak show, and one there's actually a local angle to tonight's game. And it's oddly enough, Clemson does have a number of North Carolinians on its roster, not as many of their stars. A strong connection to the state of North Carolina in tonight's LSU-Clemson National Championship game comes from the LSU Tigers depth chart. More on that story with more of your calls. Best and worst of the weekend. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? And what made it that? Did you hear that former Wake Forest star quarterback Jamie Newman, who surprised a lot of Demon Deacons fans by saying he was leaving after his redshirt junior year and his breakthrough season for the Deeks, he has selected his college, and it is a high-profile program with national championship aspirations of its own. More on those stories with more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on The David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations that say six Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. If you'd like to cast your ballot for the best or worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports world this weekend. A lot of Kaniacs mentioning what I mentioned to start the show. The Canes not only won twice this weekend, it was back-to-back -back shutouts at PNC Arena. They finished the homestand with five wins and two losses. They're back at it against Washington, against the Capitals in Washington tonight. Their only losses, and by the way, Peter Mrazek started one of those shutouts in net. James Reimer, his backup, started the other shutout in net. So great for the goalies this weekend as the Canes are playing really good hockey collectively. Their only two losses were to the Lightning and to the Capitals out of those seven games. Five wins, two losses, seven-game homestand, great attendance. I've been in the building for most of those games. The energy has been high. Far more seats than usual have been filled. The Lightning and the Capitals are two of the four most talented teams in hockey. So for them to be your only losses is not exactly an embarrassment. At some point, you got to beat teams like the Bruins and the Lightning and the Capitals, three of the very best teams in hockey, all of them in your own Eastern Conference, if you're Rod Brindamore and the Carolina Hurricanes. An outstanding homestand overall. Back-to-back -back shutouts kind of put the exclamation point on that. 1-800-849-2761. Of course, the leading vote-getters, Andy Reid and the Chiefs for their comeback. Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey had a lot to do with that. Derrick Henry and the Titans 
Richard Sherman in the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers in the Packers, Brad Brownell and his Clemson Tigers, best of the weekend for ending the forever streak in Chapel Hill. Coach Brownell joins us live in about 45 minutes. Roy Williams in the Tar Heels, worst of the weekend. Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens, worst of the weekend. And, of course, we're looking forward as much as we're looking back. J uh, Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence tonight. LSU at 14-0 against the 14-0 Clemson Tigers of the ACC. You can be next with your question or comment. One thing I promised, a North Carolina connection in tonight's game, oddly enough, is not for the Clemson Tigers, although they do have North Carolinians on their roster. Dabo Sweeney, in his many visits on our show, has always told us that the Palmetto State, South Carolina, where Clemson is located, of course, does not have a large enough population. Put aside the quality of their high school football, they just don't have enough people to sustain a true superpower of college football. If you happen to be located in Florida or Texas or California, you can build a heck of a depth chart without leaving your own state if you want to. Can't do that in South Carolina. I've always believed you can't do that in North Carolina either. We have a greater population. We don't produce nearly as many high-end future NFL players, high-end future college players, as especially states like California, Texas, Florida, Florida, Georgia, and even a handful of others. The biggest connection in terms of on-the-field players to the state of North Carolina tonight actually comes, surprisingly enough, from the other sideline. Thaddeus Moss is LSU's star tight end, and he began his college career at North Carolina State University. Does that qualify, Darren? Well, the kids use the hashtag... NC State bleep, I think. Yeah, alternatively, you can say stuff. Stuff, To, to okay. make it radio appropriate. Hashtag NC State stuff. Does it qualify that a former <laughs> Wolfpack player would be LSU's star tight end? Yeah, okay. at least in a, a very light version of NC State stuff. I think that, that applies. The other news item, Jamie Newman, formerly of Wake Forest. He's from Graham High School here in North Carolina. He was a no-name player for his first three seasons pretty much on campus. He made a run at the end of uh, the season before last, last, replacing Sam Hartman as the Deacon's starting quarterback. Made a flash there, and then won the full-time starting job this past season, and then just exploded. Had one of the best seasons in some categories of anybody not named Joe Burrow of LSU or Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. So he disappointed and surprised a lot of people at the end of December when he said he was leaving Wake for his final year of college eligibility. But just to show how much he had made a name for himself, you know what his final two choices were? Either follow senior quarterback Justin Herbert of Oregon, so you're going to a top-10 team that just played in a huge postseason game, won double-digit team games, sends a lot of players to the NFL, et cetera, won the Pac-12 championship. You're either following an NFL-bound senior quarterback in Justin Herbert in that pro-style offense at Oregon, or and he was waiting to see what underclassman Jake Fromm would do at Georgia. As soon as Jake Fromm said, oh, yeah, I'm leaving the Bulldogs and turning pro early, Jamie Newman said, well, I've got a top 10 team that wins a lot and sends a lot of players to the NFL and challenges for championships a lot closer to home at Georgia than at Oregon. So he follows instead Jake Fromm into that pro-style offense with the Bulldogs. More on tonight's matchup, more from the NFL and college basketball weekend still to come on the David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks who work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. 
Mike Brownell will always be known as the first Clemson men's basketball coach to lead a win over the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. He joins us live in about 35 minutes. It's back to your best and worst of the weekend. Phone calls on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. Next. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show.